Dan, I believe you are super prepared for this podcast. I am so prepared for this podcast. You you came so magnificently prepared. You said you had both a food heist and a bad story idea. I do. And you pitched the topic and you brought show and tell. Yes, I did. You're just completely showing me. It's because I have, we haven't recorded in weeks. And so I have like this very small buildup of ideas (laughs) and they're, they're, they're overflowing. Yeah. My cup runneth over with bad podcast things to talk about. <laughs> what do we do? Do we do your story idea first? Your food heist? Do we do our brackets? Let, got... Let's let's do the food heist first. Okay. Because it's incredible. Okay. Are you ready for this? I am. This one is so good. I almost wonder if it's one of our listeners who's like, I'm going to give them something to talk about. <laughs> okay. This happened last week. Okay. Last week at time of recording, July yep. 6th. Okay. Mm-hmm. This guy in California, broke into a liquor store, or I guess liquor store, it's a wine shop. Okay. Drilled a hole through the ceiling, mm-hmm. dropped down inside, took the smile you're on camera sign and covered the security camera with it. Ooh, and then spent four that's hours pulling out the most expensive wines from everywhere. He knew exactly which ones to take. Some of them were hidden in drawers and he got those. It was about $500,000 worth. And then he went upstairs and tried to take some more out of the like actual display store part and set off an alarm and ran. Okay. So but did he get away with the $500,000? They don't know who he is. Wow. It's like this just full-blown Ocean's Eleven heist. This is obviously one of our listeners. Clearly. Clearly. You guys, shame on you. We but told you. you that it was just a joke. Yes. We are very happy that this happened, unless we're part of it, in which Mm, case, yeah, we are not. Well, well, well. Drilled a hole and came down Mission Impossible style. Yeah, like on a rope. On a rope. Through the ceiling. On an actual rope. I mean- Yeah. Wow. I hope that he gets caught, because, you know, somebody's out $500,000. Justice must be served. Justice must be served. But man, he is going to be a celebrity in Food Heist Prison. Oh, yeah. They get him. I mean, this has got to be one of our listeners trying to get into Food Heist Prison. Yeah, trying to, like, Mm -hmm. trying to impress us. Yeah. Someone's going to show up at the Dragonsteel Expo and say, hey, that was me. When we get together, see... Secretly, we know that some cataclysm is coming in the future in which we are going to need the expert professional food heist masters. What food heist prison really is, Mm -hmm. is just a very sneaky way of gathering the greatest food heist minds that have ever come together. It's like, you know, Fast and Furious where they always in the start needed them for car related heist Mm -hmm. purposes. We will need our team of food heist experts, yeah. and we this is a calling card that some dynamic person has made. They will definitely be on the team. So speaking of food heist prison, mm-hmm. the groundskeeper lost the pole. Yes, the groundskeeper lost the pole. Which I have to assume is on purpose. Yes. Right? Well, the groundskeeper does everything on purpose. He's trying to keep a low profile. Yeah. He doesn't want a big t-shirt with himself yeah. on it. He's gone around and intimidated our listeners. Yeah. And somehow without them even knowing, probably hypnotized them. Was he intimidating them or was he just really hyping up the potato heist? The potato heist? Probably that, yeah. I, I do mean, love the idea of a t-shirt that says, do not steal these nutritious unguarded potatoes. And then just a picture of a field of potatoes with no explanation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would make a really good t-shirt. Yeah. 
Yes, but that one has indeed our first upset. Our first, first upset. Upset. That is that that one has indeed lost. Okay. Oh, I I should say one more thing about the mm-hmm. food heist before we we talk about the brackets. This one was actually sent to me by mm-hmm. a listener named Adam Burgess. He's the one who sent one of the ones I complained about. Okay. Like the beating up a guy with a frozen fish or something. I love that and one. It was a good one, but it wasn't a heist. And so he sent me this one and he said, please, this will redeem me, which actually makes me think that maybe it was Adam Burgess that Adam drilled through the ceiling of the wine shop. Adam seems more like the man in the chair to the okay. person he's drilling. He's the, the mastermind that yeah. like mm-hmm. yeah. coordinated. Because I assume there's also a hacker. There's also yeah. like all kinds of other things yeah. going on. So, okay. Yeah, definitely. When When we get our team together, right? Adam will be one of our recruitment officers. So So, uh, if any members of the California law enforcement system are listening to our show, please find Adam Burgess and And ask him who stole the wine. How many hundreds of thousands of dollars of wine he has hidden in his closet. (laughs) Hey, speaking of which, when people send me food heists, almost every single one comes in an email to my wife that says, (laughs) Hey, I don't know how to reach you. I'm going to try this and see if it works. Almost every single one. So we're going to formalize that process. That they emailed your wife? No, that they're going to email somebody here, like Octavia or something. Okay. Where do we point them? We need an official landing point for food heist suggestions. I think we should have, do you want a separate one from just an intentionally blank? Because we could make just like intentionally, it could be (laughs) intentionally at Dragonsteel. Or something like yeah. that. We could do IB. <laughs> IBS. IBS. Dragon Steel. Intentionally blank services. We'll eventually, of course, have to change that email when we get a real name for the podcast. Yes. Because this is the, a the placeholder. temporary placeholder yeah. stupid name. Uh-huh. Okay. What do you think? Adam here, who is Adam? in charge. And there's Octavia, who just poked her head in. I think maybe just the whole yeah, intentionally just the blank. the whole thing. If people want to give you feedback. You should get IBS at Dragon Steel and have ops <laughs> make that for us. Intentionally blank services. Because it's so related to food heists. I mean, some of the people who are yeah. food heisting, it's going to mm-hmm. lead to some They're going to need discomfort. some thumbs. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So IBS at Dragonsteel is if you want to talk to us about the podcast in any way. Yeah. And if you have any food heists yeah. to submit, IBS at Dragonsteel.com. And I will start mentioning you by name as I did with Adam Burgess. Yes, I won't tell- necessarily swat you by sending cops to your house, but- Adam's clearly guilty. But do not send us bad story ideas. Save your bad story ideas because someday you may want to write those books. Mm -hmm. They may actually turn into good story ideas because many good story ideas start as bad story ideas. Yes. So don't send those to us. We are fully capable of coming up with bad story ideas, but, you know. (laughs) And I do have one, but should we do brackets first? Brackets, 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 brackets. All right. So this week, we're getting down to the ones that are pretty close to one another. Mm Mm-hmm. For food heists, we have the Gnocchi Brothers Gnocchi Gnocchi Brothers Gnocchi Restaurant. $30,000 of beautiful fresh gnocchi stolen from the Gnocchi Brothers. This is the first food heist I can really remember. Mm-hmm. There might have been one before, but this is the one that really popped in my head. This was the one that yep. made you a fan of and the And then tailgating something nefarious, which is $9 million of probably mostly meat, meat from all over the Midwest. Yeah, and we hypothesized that it was the mafia that stole yes, all that, that meat. Yes, that stole that meat. So links in the description for you to listen to those exact episode recordings. Mm-hmm. The Gnocchi Brothers one is 
four minutes long, it looks like. And the uh, other one is, mm, we went off on that one. This is six minutes long. <laughs> oh, well. So you'll listen to those and then vote. Do try to listen to be an informed voter. So our bad story ideas, we have Weekend at Vader's with an actual zombie. Love that one. This one kind of grew, yeah. This became a thing. Yeah. I don't even remember how we started talking about I it. I don't but. remember where it came from, but the idea is that yeah. one of Vader's people that he tries to kill accidentally kills him first and then has to pretend that he's alive Yep, to keep the fleet running. That whole podcast, we just kept... <laughs> We went a little... That was like most of the podcast. We went a little hard on that one. And then The Jungle Book with Dragons and Middle School. This is one of my very old ideas from my notebook that I never wrote, which is Kid Raised by Dragons Goes to Middle School. Yeah. And middle school story about the poor kid. This one's actually maybe too good of a story idea to be on the bad story. It is like in that lukewarm It is. It's absolutely one we could develop and do something cool with if Mm -hmm. we had the time. Yep. I still think... That if I were to do it, I would make it a picture book. Yeah. So he's like in elementary school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little simpler. What yep. does he have in his lunchbox? How does he, you know, play in the sandbox with everyone else? I think that would make a legit good picture book, like yeah. I said, on the actual podcast episode when we did that. So there you go. Go, go be informed voters. Thank you for participating so far. Our first upset just yeah. came in. So maybe there will be more. All right. Do you want another bad story idea? I do. Okay. Because I have one. And 2023 is the wrong time to be pitching a story about heroic Soviet soldiers. So. Okay, it's already starting off on a bad foot. Yeah, there we go. So Stalingrad, the main thing that Russia had in World War II was just dudes. They had so many soldiers. And in Stalingrad, this is a real historical thing. Maybe not every single soldier, but a significant number of the infantry that they brought in they gave everybody bullets, but they gave every other person a gun. Famously depicted in Enemy, oh, at, the Enemy at the Gates. Yeah. Jude mm-hmm. Law and Ed Harris. Love that movie. Yep. So I had this idea of what if we tell a story about the guy with the gun and the little guy with bullets following him around, and they somehow get separated and lost in the city because it was absolutely insane, you know, street to street and room to room fighting, and then have some kind of very tense bonding story like, I mean, he needs to stay with the gun guy to be safe because he doesn't have his own gun and he's kind of just waiting for the gun guy to die and how do they get along and like, what if one of them's a jerk and, and, you know, they have to, they get to bond as they hide in the ruins. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's (laughs) something there maybe. Oh, no. How do you explain them just not picking up a gun from the many, many corpses around them? Oh, I don't explain okay. that. That's okay. part of why this is a bad story. Maybe idea. maybe this is a lefty gun. You got to have lefty bullets. They yeah. found the lefties. They're like, all right, here's a lefty gun. Here's your lefty maybe bullets. Maybe they get stranded in a mm-hmm. part of the city that was just German soldiers. And so he doesn't know how to use those guns. Yeah, those guns are in German. Yeah. Right? I mean, you got to count in German when you fire no them. Idea. No he idea. He was trained on one kind of rifle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He can't use the other one. No. You can't so. use those German guns. <laughs> anyway, so um, there you go. Okay. Buddy buddy movie. You could make some, you know, lighthearted buddy movie about mm-hmm. the guy with the gun. Like, maybe the guy with the gun gets given bolts. They're all duds. And so they spend the whole time. Having to work together to use the bullets guy's bullets and the guns guy's gun. 
you know, <laughs> to have a meaningful time shooting and enemy soldiers, you know, growing together. It's like a romance. It's a bromance. Yeah, bromance. It's a buddy cop movie, except yep. they're not cops. They're Soviet soldiers that we're going to make heroic in 2023. <laughs> so that's 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 a bad idea. That is a pretty bad idea. Yeah. I, I mean, thought you would enjoy yeah, that. I, I do enjoy that. I, I don't know. Like, what, what led you to think of that? I have no idea. Mm. I don't know why I was thinking about the Stalingrad gun thing. Mm. It wasn't Enemy at the Gates. It was something else. We watched that for Scars. No, Scar was already married. Somebody's bachelor party. Alan's bachelor party? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen that movie like three times. I love it. Yeah. You might have recommended it because someone said, oh, this is a good movie. We should watch this. That was probably me. Yeah. So it was at... One of the bachelor parties. It might have been Alice. I, I want to say it's the bachelor party where we went and actually went laser tagging and then watched a movie or something like that, right? Yeah. So Your Alan, bachelor party, we went to a computer cafe in yes. Salt Lake City and played like Halo or something? It wasn't Halo. It was like Some Unreal Tournament game. or yeah. something like that. We shot so. each other. Yeah, we just shot each other. That was fun. Micah was spawn camping the whole night. Yep. And we've talked about taking Scar to... Laser tag before, I believe, have we on the podcast? No, I don't think we have. So this is our friend who was in the military, is now head of Dragonsteel Security, mm -hmm. Scar from Bridge 4, and we took him laser tagging. Mistake on our parts. Um, <laughs> He's Scar, been in military for years. Yes. Absolutely Decades. dominated us in just the most embarrassing way possible. Yeah. Right? Like, they keep your score. And Scar, the, the thing about it, I swear I've told this story, he realized very early on, it's like, oh, there's no consequences other than a little mark against my name. If I run in and shoot 10 people and then get shot, I'm winning. And of course, that makes perfect sense. In normal, uh -huh. you know, military operations, you don't want to be shooting yeah. 10 guys and then, you mm -hmm. know, getting killed yourself. But he's like, yeah. And so we would all be like doing the little hiding behind the things, looking for a guy shooting. Yeah. And then Scar would just come by. He's like, bruh, 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 bruh. He's like, he's in an action movie and there's just people <laughs> falling dead all around him and we're all panicking and then shooting at him. He's, he'll get 10 kills yeah. and then he'll drop and then he goes back and resets and then we'll all be doing our creeping along and then just Scar yeah. tears through us and kills everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect aim. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bad story idea right there. Too. What's that? I don't know. Just like... If soldiers can come back to life in real life instead of just in like oh. video games, yeah, then you remove consequences and everything becomes like a blitzkrieg instead of that is tactics. interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. What would be the consequences? Like, how do you even have a real war where people respawn? I don't know because it's like in the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie where yeah. it's like the pirates can't die, but we're still going to spend half an hour fighting them with swords. Yes, like why? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. I love that movie dearly, but mm -hmm. all the fight the pirate scenes are kind of ridiculous because they can't die. So what's the point? Yeah. So that yeah. would be an interesting, very like Silver Age science fiction story to tell where the first part is like, ooh, we can't die. We can do whatever we want. And then they realize, well, the enemy can't die either. Mm -hmm. So maybe we need to resolve our conflicts in a different way. Legit good story idea there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I could, I could absolutely see getting a, an issue of, FNSF or something or Asimov's in the old days mm -hmm. and reading that story. Some short story or mm -hmm. novelette. Well, there you go. That's okay. an idea for uh, Robert Silverberg in 1972. That's all for you, buddy. <laughs>
All right. So now do you want to hear the thing I want to talk about? Yes. Okay. Our actual, now that we're 17 minutes into our podcast. 17 minutes in. Thank you for your patience, wonderful listeners. We know that you mostly just listen for the food heists, but we do have to fill the rest of the time. (laughs) I got stuff to sign. We got got to keep talking. Okay. So I have many, many times almost worked for Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I wrote a whole novella for Magic the Gathering that remains unpublished. I was hired to write a book for them right before Hasbro, like, killed their entire publishing wing. The story I want to tell today is when they flew me out for a job interview as a flavor text guy for Magic. Okay, do you remember this? I do remember this. Okay, it's because this was way back in college. This was like 2005, I want to say. Was which is after college, but we were yeah. still doing like was I was I had I sold because in two thousand five I'd sold two thousand five. So was it before that or I, no? I know it, it was two thousand five because that's when this game came okay. out, and that's so the, I had one of the things I'm going to talk about. Elantris, yeah, and I had not sold. I think I sold yeah. in two thousand eight. Okay, so anyway, part of this process, in order to get past, you know, give them a resume, and then the next phase was that they sent me this questionnaire and was like, here, write a bunch of essays about all of this stuff. And one mm-hmm. of the questions was, what is a game that you think has really good flavor and lore? And I can't remember what I talked about. Mm-hmm. And then they said, what's a game that you think has really bad flavor and lore? And I was running a game review website at the time. And so people sent me stuff mm-hmm. to review. And the one I used was actually a Wizards of the Coast game. Smart, smart. Called mm-hmm. Hecatomb. I don't know if anyone remembers Hecatomb. This game died a miserable death. Back in the glut, early 2000s glut of like CCGs when everyone was making them. Mm-hmm. And this one was funky because the cards are pentagons printed on plastic so that they're clear. Yeah, so the edges are clear and the center and is the idea a little bit. And is that you can stack them and then this card has extra powers. Yeah, so if you're just listening, they have these like, yeah, pentagon shaped. Yeah. Like if you've seen the, the card game Gloom, mm-hmm. same kind of thing. Printed on clear plastic. So that you can add and stack things in yeah. interesting ways. And way as you then. stack them, yeah. then they gain extra powers or they gain extra whatever. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's the game. And the problem with it that I complained about in this daring essay was that the cards themselves are very interesting mm-hmm. because they're little monsters. Like there's big gods like Cthulhu is in it. Uh, there's, you know, vampires, there's little demons. My favorite was something called the Hellevator. Oh, that's a good name. Yeah. That's a great name, right? Yeah, uh-huh. But the cards cannot attack on their own. They can't okay. do anything until you combine them with other cards, at which point it's not a Hellevator anymore. It's like some weird combination of a Hellevator and a vampire. Like the mm-hmm. flavor completely falls apart when you start combining the cards. Yeah. So anyway, I complained about that in my essay and somehow got invited to the next stage anyway. Mm -hmm. They flew me out, had this big like two or three hour interview. And I found out from one of the dudes on their flavor team that me complaining about Hecatomb is why I got the interview. Really? Because, and I don't know if this is true of everyone who Mm -hmm. worked at Wizards of the Coast, but that guy at least in particular was like, yeah, we could never get the flavor right for this game. Because if the cards are really cool, then the combination of the cards loses the flavor but if the combination of the cards is really cool then the individual cards are a little boring 
he said one of their early concepts was maybe doing it as robots. Mm. And so you would have like an engine or a buzzsaw or whatever, and you'd combine them together, which sounds awesome. But in practice, somebody opens a pack of cards and they don't have the elevator. They just have a buzzsaw. And Mm -hmm. so the cards themselves were very disappointing. Mm-hmm. And then he asked the question that I foolishly had not prepared for, which was, how would you, how fix, would it? you fix it? And I've thought about that a lot in you know the years since, but at the time mm-hmm. I didn't have a really good answer for it. And so I'm curious to know, because I have yeah. some good ideas now, how would you fix that? Oh, that seems pretty obvious. Not obvious, but a way seems pretty obvious mm-hmm. to me because I'm just drawing upon you know what my kids like to do and things like that. Yeah. I would make the things on the sides adjectives Instead of, so you play the elevator mm-hmm. and then you modify it into an ethereal elevator, right? An ethereal yeah. vampire. It's not a combination, like you've got a ghost card, it adds ethereal to something. Mm-hmm. And so you can do the so whole- So yeah. one card would be a ghost. Yes. And that is a cool thing on its own. Yep. Mm-hmm. Big scary ghost. Yep. And it has one trait that it can contribute to that a different thing. it contributes different to a thing. different thing. You can slide it under and you've got your vampire. Now you've got your pirate vampire. I'm joking, not pirate, <laughs> yeah. but you know what mm-hmm. I mean. And so it just adds these powers that are flavorful for the thing. So you've got the thing where you're like, do I want to have a ghost and a vampire? Or do I want to have an ethereal vampire that has the vampire powers, but also some of the ghost powers? Mm. And then it leads to interesting game decisions, right? Because whether you want to put all your eggs in one basket or go wide allows you to have game design that goes one of those two directions. That's a cool solution to Mm -hmm. the problem. The one that I have eventually come up with is to do it as a team or a crew. Okay. Like if all the cards were Star Trek people Mm -hmm. and you were trying to assemble them into a crew... So yeah. they could go out and do missions or, you know, that's a, a good heist idea. crew. You know, you've got an infiltrator, you've got a thief, you've got a hacker, and you kind of meld them together into a cool crew that can then go do a job. Yeah, though it doesn't feel like it's melding because one picture goes underneath the other and you can't, if you're just listening, in the center is a cool picture and the sides are all clear except for one edge. Yeah, just one little edge. That but has a power if when the you edge is where it said you know, what the role was. Mm -hmm. And then you'd need some other cards to be like, okay, this is the job you have to do now. Yeah. And then you have created a team that can do it. It, I don't know. I think you would need some other way to combine the cards. Like if it's just a big stack, the flavor on a big stack Mm -hmm. doesn't work for a team for me as well. Well, and, you know, that does suggest other things. Like when you have these kind of cards, you don't necessarily have to stack them perfectly on top. You could build some kind of little molecule diagram Mm -hmm. where they connect in different ways. I don't know. Anyway, I've always wondered about that because I bombed that interview so hard (laughs) because I couldn't answer that question. That question, that question could have, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'm very grateful I didn't get that job, honestly, Mm -hmm. because it was right before I sold serial killer. I probably would not be the author that I am today. I would probably just be writing flavor text on magic cards. Yeah, but you hunted working for Wizards pretty hard for a Mm -hmm. long time. Oh, yeah. Game design is one of your things. I mean, you get to do it now in part with us. Yes, Um, I'm working on Stormlight RPG. RPG. Yeah. And that's a lot of fun. mm -hmm. And I hope to be working on other projects as well, which I will not talk about. Mm. But I did eventually kind of sort of work with Wizards in that 
I partnered with them when I ran a D&D campaign on Twitch. Okay, yeah. And they, they didn't sponsor it, like give us money, but they gave us a ton of product. They gave us all these D&D Beyond accounts. They mm-hmm. helped promote it and advertise it a little bit. So my long, almost history with Wizards. And they did, you know, pay me for the novella, even though it hasn't been published. So Did you submit to their design a world thing? I did. Became Eberron? Mm-hmm. What did you submit? It was back in like 99. Mm-hmm. They did a big contest that was everybody submit your ideas for a new world. Because yeah. D&D 3rd Edition was brand new. And they're like, we want some world books for this. And we don't want to just reprint the old ones, even though I wish they had. Now they're starting to do that with 5th uh, mm-hmm. Edition. It was a smart idea to come up with a new yeah, one. It was and a run very a good idea. So I and uh, our friend Eric Ehlers, who was also on Leading Edge Magazine staff, mm-hmm. I know he and I worked together on several. I submitted probably four ideas to that. The only two I remember is one of them was a pretty direct ripoff of Pirates of Dark Water. Do you remember that cartoon? Yep. It's a cool cartoon. Yeah, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And I was like, I want a big fantasy seafaring water world kind Just of thing. Slightly an inspiration for Trust of the Emerald Sea. Really? The idea of I love the idea of water that was a different kind of water. Mm-hmm. I've always loved that. And so yeah. that in the back of my head is a little bit of an inspiration for oh, that's really Secret cool. Project One. Anyway. That was such a good cartoon. Yeah. It got like one season, mm-hmm. and I don't think it even got a full season. It lives in that no man's land of, hey, can we upscale this animation to just hit a slightly older demographic, Mm -hmm. right? That created so many cool shows and that were completely rejected by the TV watching. Well, and it was early 80s, which I think was just before its time. I thought it was early 90s. Was it? Yeah. Anyway, it was- Adam, Pirates of Dark Water. Back in the day, Mm -hmm. I think if Pirates of Dark Water had come out like at the same time- Last Airbender did. Right. Then there's an audience that loves that kind of stuff. And you might be right. It might have to be 80s because by the 90s, we had Batman the Animated Series, which had successfully stepped up one notch. 91. 91. So early 90s. I just remember when I was watching it, how old I was. Mm -hmm. And I was the right age for it because I would have been like 15, 16. I'm like, oh, it's a cartoon. Oh, this cartoon's actually good. This is really cool. Um, They had good world building. They had good characters. They had a long, like overarching plot. Yeah. Which, again, all stuff that would land perfectly today and did not land would in 91. Would it land perfectly? Because we still have this problem. I mean, Into the Spider-Verse, doing mm-hmm. really well. Yeah. But a fraction of what Spider-Man, the live action ones have done, right? And- uh, Did you know, it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It'll, it'll land, like the second one will land at half of a regular Spider-Man, probably. That's crazy. And Spider-Verse movies are the best Spider-Man movies. And so- there's that. Like, yes, Arcane did well, but mm-hmm. did it do well with our crowd or with the general public? Well, like, I mean, that's kind of what I mean by land perfectly, right? Okay. Like, there's an audience for it. Mm-hmm. Last Airbender, but Last Airbender, Adventure Time, Gravity Falls, those have all been successful, even though they haven't been right. mainstream. They all pretended to be kids' shows. Well, that's true. Right? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. If you pretend to be a kid's show, you're fine. Mm-hmm. But if you say, no, no, we're for teenagers, like mid-older teenagers, mm-hmm. then you just fall flat. If you say, we're for adults, yeah. we're edgy and hardcore, then 
those do well. It's that no man's land that I'm talking about. It's the treasure planets the, uh-huh. of the world. It's the Titan Aes of the world. It's Pirates of Dark Water. Mm-hmm. That realm, it just flops yeah. every time. Well, and that's what happened to the Disney Atlantis movie. Yeah. It was that teenage adventure cartoon, mm-hmm. which was not their demographic at all, and it didn't do well. It's a great movie, but it didn't do nearly as well as all their other stuff. Adam has an update for us. Just to give you some specifics on box office numbers yeah. between the Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home worldwide was $1.9 billion. $1.9 billion. Yeah. Across the Spider-Verse is currently at $650 million Yeah. Worldwide. Wow. So there's a pretty big difference. Yeah. A third. A third. Well, so. I actually haven't seen Across the Spider-Verse yet. Oh, haven't but you? But I just rewatched Damn. Into the Spider-Verse, and I love it even more. So we can more. talk. We can talk. Okay. Well, I mean, I have to wait till it comes to Disney+. Plus. You have to wait till it comes to my theater. I, I, or, I don't yeah. go to real theaters anymore. That's all right. Actually, I'm probably going to end up breaking my rule and going to a real theater to watch the new Mission Impossible, because I love those dearly. I can't say anything because I'm the person who took how long? We, I just finished Ted Lasso season two. In fact, <laughs> we'll talk Ted Lasso season two next episode. So if you haven't caught up on Ted Lasso and you're planning to, you can watch up to season <laughs> you have two. one week. You have one week warning. Before we spoil it all. Spoilers. But it's been out for like a year and however yeah. long. And yeah, season I'm three finally, is already yeah. out and over. So mm-hmm. season yeah. two is what we'll talk about next week. Yep. Yeah. And now, oh, the other, the other thing that I remember submitting. Yes. I submitted like four settings, like mm-hmm. I said, but the only two I remember were the water one mm-hmm. and then like a post-apocalyptic one, but like okay. a magic apocalypse, you know, forgotten realms, but after mm-hmm. some magical thing had destroyed everything. It was very ill-formed. If I were to do it again, I would have much better ways of describing it. Back then it was very did they Four. have language that you kept rights to your worlds when you submitted them? or No, you, you, you did not. Th- they just got whatever you well, submitted? Well, I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure it was, if we use this, then it's ours, and if we don't, then nobody cares. Yeah, so, but it was the nobody cares. Like, I remember reading that. I don't think I submit it. No, and you didn't because you didn't want to lose rights to anything I didn't anything want to lose rights created. to anything because I actually distinctly remember whenever this thing was, I was developing Roshar. Mm-hmm. the Stormlight Archive, and I was working on that planet. And I'm like, the idea of losing rights to it was just not, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's his name that did Eberron? Yeah. Mike Elliott? Keith. 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 Not Richard. Oh, yeah, it is a Keith. Keith Baker. Keith Baker. Ha-ha. Um, I he... knew a game thing more than you. <laughs> he is, Eberron is actually my favorite D&D setting. It is a fantastic setting. It is incredible. He mm-hmm. was absolutely the right winner. He went about it in a much smarter way than any of ours did. Although yeah. I would dearly love to go back and do that dark water one. Yeah, really impressive setting. Worked really well. Yeah. So we cool. immediately bought that book. Their marketing worked and we immediately yeah. played a campaign in it. We ran a long, I think yeah. the longest D&D campaign we ever did. We didn't get to level 20, but we got no, that like was, 15 or 16. That was Cinefar. The yeah. really aged was ever on. <laughs> my, one of my favorite characters ever. The ultimate Brandon character. Yes. The conflux of all things coming together into Cinethar, which I believe we've talked about. The, yeah. Um, yeah. Just the ancient, like, undead elven yeah. lich yep. who gets carried around on a palanquin all the time. Yep. But happened because Brandon read the book and melded the, oh, this is because in Eberron, they had mm-hmm. these, like, good energy, good magic liches. 
right? Yeah. Good magic undead. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I love that. I yeah. love that. It was an elven culture yeah. that worshipped death. It was very clever and very yeah. well and well built. Then the mechanical side said, hey, I can min-max because you get like <laughs> minus two strength and plus one intelligence if you're older. It's like mm-hmm. minus two strength, minus two con, plus one intelligence, plus one wisdom. And I'm like, hmm, yeah. min-max, you say. <laughs> and then there was like another rank beyond that where it's like you lost like three and three and gained one and one. I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm cool with that. So the reason Sinathar had to be carried around in a palanquin is he had like a three strength <laughs> yeah. or, or, or less. He couldn't he, even walk on his own. He couldn't walk on his own. But he had the highest stats, at least in two stats. And so he did the whole cleric and wizard and did multi-class into like the prestige class. Yeah. He gave you levels in both. And turned out it's a very powerful combination. My character in that was one of the most fun and least effective D&D characters I've ever built. Which is saying something for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. He was a shifter, mm-hmm. ranger, and I'm like, oh, wait, if I go down this specific line of like ranger powers and feats, I can have like 20 attacks per melee round. And so that's all I focused on. Mm-hmm. So min-maxing, but like in the absolute wrong direction. Yeah. And third edition is where they had damage reduction. So yep. by the time we were level 15, we're fighting these things with like, damage reduction, whatever. Yeah, if you haven't played D&D, it means every hit gets this much taken off of yeah. it. So, so if like you, you hit it for 15 yeah. damage, but it only takes five because it reduces it by 10. And you had built a character who did lots of hits for low damage amounts. Yeah. And so, so I'd go up against like a giant golem. We were all constructs. Micah had like, it was all giants and constructs at the end. So our rogue couldn't sneak attack anything. And I was doing like two damage around after... Just wailing on it 20 times. It was delightful. But I could brachiate through a forest. You could indeed brachiate through a forest. And I could float around on... By then, I had a flying carpet instead of Valenquin. Mm. And I could fly around on my flying carpet and cast all kinds of spells. Yeah. What was the name? Because your brother, Jordo, every time we got somewhere, he would say, It's the... Danger Boys. It was or like, like Danger some, Squad. Yeah. He he named us. The Extreme Action Force. You it got extreme it. Extreme Action it Force. Extreme Action Force. And we always laughed when he said it, and Micah took it as in-game dialogue. Uh-huh. And so eventually we showed up somewhere, and all these like giants that were nefarious necromancers or something said, oh, no, it's the Extreme Action Force, and we all lost it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Jordo for you. He mm-hmm. he came up with that name for us as a joke. That was Pepsi Pepsi Gun 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 too, wasn't it? Was. it? Yeah, Pepsi yeah. Pepsi Gun Gun Gun. So my son, who today is fourteen, mm-hmm. uh, this was when he was like two or three mm-hmm. years ago, and one of the guys in the group, JD, would always bring Pepsi and drink it. And of course, my little boy wanted some. We didn't want to give him any. And so one day he's like, "Okay, I'll give you this." And he finished his Pepsi, rinsed out the can, filled it with water, and gave it to my two-year-old. And he got, like, psychosomatically high on imaginary caffeine, and it was incredible. Yeah. Dancing on the table, yelling Pepsi, Pepsi, gun, 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 for some reason. Well, that's how he shot people. He didn't say bang. He would say gun. Yeah, that's right. So he'd run up to you and go, gun, gun, gun. So he, at one point, stood on the table and shouted, Pepsi, Pepsi, gun, 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 like... In his diaper, nothing yeah. else. It was yep. it was wonderful. Yep. And then later in the campaign, we were fighting like a Tarrasque. Yeah, some monster. And Jordo said, well, I think the only way to solve this is 
Pepsi, Pepsi, gun, 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 and he jumped down its throat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jordo is really fun to role play with. Yes. My brother, he is, uh, he's, he's a fun dude and very gregarious in his role playing. Someday mm-hmm. I will tempt you back into a role playing game. I know that you have no time for it and that you have sworn them off so you can get your work done and get mm-hmm. books written, but I'm actively working against your productivity. Someday I'll get you back into the Magic of the Gathering. I really actually want to play the Lord of the Rings set. Lord of the Rings set is great. It's, I think, might be their best flavor set that they've ever done. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. when you just are using the flavor of yes, this wonderful thing that already exists. They obviously just really love the IP. Mm-hmm. And the cards are such good representations for Magic's mechanics mm-hmm. of the characters. The characters all do what you would expect they, they them to do. They do these cool things. Like, there's a really cool Gandalf that every time you cast another spell, he does something. And on the fourth one, he bounces into your hand. Because he goes away <laughs> yeah. after he's done he his stuff. He leaves all the time. <laughs> he leaves. And so That's he's wonderful. powerful, powerful, powerful. Oh, he's back in your hand. Okay, so Which, I, yeah. I was looking at, because I wanted to buy the commander decks for this yes and then i couldn't find in for like less than 80 dollars a piece so i yeah. haven't bought them but i was looking at them and it looks like a lot of them have a monarch mechanic where yes. you like steal it back and forth yes and sometimes aragorn's the monarch or mm-hmm. faramir or yeah, you the player or the monarch yeah but yeah that's an interesting it's a thing they added to the multiplayer commander games that actually works really well because what they found is People in these games just sit back and build their boards and don't do anything. Mm -hmm. They added this thing where if you attack someone and they're the monarch, you get to be the monarch and you get to draw an extra card every turn. And you draw it at the end of your turn to encourage you to attack and take it and someone else to attack and take it. And so it made the games more active. So this is a pre-existing magic thing that just Mm -hmm. happens to fit. Yeah. Faramir and Denethor and stuff really, really well. That's Mm -hmm. cool. Well, the other pre-existing mechanic, food was a thing from a set a number of years ago in Magic mm-hmm. where you make a little token that you sacrifice to gain life. And so guess what the hobbits do <laughs> in uh, Lord of the Rings? That's perfect. They make food. I assume Sam makes his Sam makes potatoes. Food. Mary, if you make a food, makes another food. So you could have second breakfast after <laughs> your first breakfast. That's like, wonderful. It's really an amusing way of doing things. Okay. Yeah. Rosie Cotton makes someone bigger, gives them like a counter every time food enters the battlefield and she makes one. She, oh, that's so, so cool. So she comes and makes a food. You eat the food, your character gets stronger. Anytime there's more food, Rosie spices it and mm-hmm. the food is better. You know, okay. just the flavor on it is really, really good. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might, since the commander decks are so expensive, I might just end up getting a booster box. You could just come to one of our drafts. You get to take the cards home. I could. Yeah. I can bring my boys though. You can bring your can boys. I bring an 11 year old. Yeah. Okay. I brought Joel when he was 11. Well, then I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Ha <laughs> No, because I haven't played Magic in like mm-hmm. 13 years, right? Yes. I've played with you, yeah. but I haven't played with anyone else mm-hmm. in 13 years. I used to collect them. I used to buy them all the time. Yeah. Innistrad, the first Innistrad was my last set. Mm-hmm. And then during COVID, my boys found all of my cards. They found my huge collection of Magic cards. And so they play all the time and they play with their friends all the time. We just went on a church camp and they brought all the magic decks and that's what they spent most of their time doing on playing magic on a picnic table. The problem with that is that they're using decks I built 
And Which I build all weird decks. Dumb. Yes. They're not necessarily dumb. They're just weird. Mm-hmm. Like I have, a, of course, a squirrel deck, which is the signature. I have a last laugh deck. Do you remember that card? Yep. Yeah. And that deck. No perfusion deck. Yeah. yeah I have a just... no perfusion. I have all the just weird combo decks that do one thing. And so because they've been using the same decks for like three years, a very clear meta has formed and they will fight over who gets the tree folk deck and things like that. Yep. No one will ever play squirrels into last laugh right. because it would be terrible. Mm-hmm. And so I broke down all of my decks mm-hmm. and I taught them about commander. And I said, you guys are going to build your own decks. You're going to build commander decks because it's such a perfect mm-hmm. casual format. So we'll see what they come up with. Okay. How's that, Ben? That's that's so great. Your fans made this for me. <laughs> really? Yeah. What? Why am I the only one with a bald spot? He has a bald spot. Yours is more pronounced. Yes, I know. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're listening, hop on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, for the for those not benefiting from the video feed, actual how's that Ben just ran in wearing a how's that Ben shirt, and I've never been happier in my life. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm going to show this clip to your wives and be like, wedding day? My wedding day was pretty great. Mm -hmm. It has just been surpassed. Yeah.